She's very young, very smart. She's 26. It's redonkulous. That's insane. I just turned 29 and I can't even imagine being three years younger and three times as smart. (laughs) Yeah, I just looked at when the Poppy Wars was published. The first book was published in 2018. So that means she was 21. She's just pumping out these books. Welcome to Red Wine Reads, a community of book lovers talking about our favorite and not-so-favorite books while pouring a glass or two of wine. I'm your host, Jenna Miller, and with me today is Rebecca Sassman-Cat, who is probably the nerd that would lead a revolution. Now, before we start, I should warn you that we do spoil the endings of the book's review, so if you don't like that, then please go finish the book and come right back to this episode. But if you're just here for the fun-loving and sometimes heated conversation, then welcome. We are so glad you're here. Whether you want to read one, none, or all of these books, the choice is up to you. These reviews are not backed by any science or experience, just purely two opinionated amateur readers. So you may hate the books we love or love the books we hate. Everyone has different tastes, but we hope this podcast is fun to listen to, no matter how you like your books. You can tell us your opinions and your hot takes of all of these books and more on our Instagram and TikTok at rwreadspodcast. That's at r-w-r-e-a-d-s-p-o-d-c-a-s-t at rwreadspodcast on Instagram and TikTok. So without further ado, let's pull some corks and get reading. This week we read Babel by R.F. Kuang. Rebecca, welcome to another episode of Red Wine Reads. What up? What up? I'm so excited because this episode we're going back to school. We're going uh, we're going to university. My worst nightmare. <laughs> so this week we read a Babel by R.F. Kuang. And let's just get right into it. A few quick facts before we get started. This book was published in 2022. It has received a 4.28 on Goodreads. So people really like this book. And that's out of 84,000 ratings and over 18,000 reviews as well. RF Kuang, she is only 26 years old. So if that makes you feel like you've accomplished much in your life, then there you go. Because she is also the author of the Poppy War trilogy, which is another very, very popular series in the fantasy world. I actually have book one on my shelf to be read. And she's coming out with a new book this year, which is getting a lot of hype called Yellow Face. And I read the description for that and it looks so good. I'm very excited for that. It's no surprise that she studied Chinese studies at Cambridge and also contemporary Chinese studies at Oxford. She is now pursuing a PhD in East Asian languages and literatures at Yale. So again, here to make you feel good about where you are in your life, uh, like me, with a bachelor's degree with journalism from a random beachside school in San Diego. Uh, Same. Here we are with a communications degree. (laughs) (laughs) Yep, where they just give you a degree for writing a few words on a page. They give you a degree because they're just so thankful that you showed up and paid tuition. (laughs) (laughs) Well, can't forget the drinking aspect of this podcast, can we? So um, what are you drinking this evening? I was six minutes late to this stumbling in fresh off the train. So I am drinking pure exhaustion and adrenaline right now. So living life over here. <laughs> I should be drinking water and I sh- really need something stronger. But right now, just life. Yeah, I love it. I did a podcast taping yesterday where I popped open a bottle of just a white char- you know, white wine Chardonnay. And so I had a little leftover. And so I poured it into this mug because I was also frantically running to make this recording. And this was the first cup that was in front of me. Amazing. Well, 
let's get into kind of this book. Uh, we'll start with the summary and then we'll kind of dive into our characters, our plot, and we'll then get into what we like, what we didn't, and our final ratings, and of course, our pairings. So here's our summary. 1828, Robin Swift, orphaned by cholera and Canton, is brought to London by the mysterious Professor Lovell. There he trains for years in Latin, ancient Greek, and Chinese, all in preparation for the day he'll enroll in Oxford University's prestigious Royal Institute of Translation, also known as Babel. Babel is the world's center for translation and, more importantly, magic. Silverworking, the art of manifesting the meaning lost in translation using enchanted silver bars, has made the British unparalleled in power as its knowledge serves the empire's quest for colonization. For Robin, Oxford is a utopia dedicated to the pursuit of knowledge, but knowledge obeys power, and as a Chinese boy raised in Britain, Robin realizes serving Babel means betraying his motherland. As his studies progress, Robin finds himself caught between Babel and the shadowy Hermes Society, an organization dedicated to stopping imperial expansion. When Britain pursues an unjust war with China over silver and opium, Robin must decide. Can powerful institutions be changed from within, or does revolution always require violence? Dun, dun, dun. What a good summary. I mean, gosh. <laughs> it's good. It's really good. So our characters, we have Robin Swift, as they were talking about in the summary. So he's kind of our main character. He's from Canton. And he's kind of that Chinese scholar that it centers around. And then he is part of a friend group of four people. And so there's Victoire, who is a Haitian character who is translating in Creole and also French. And then uh, we have Letty, who is just your average girl who is ridiculously smart. And she is an admiral's daughter. So she has a lot of power and money. But she's still a girl attending a college where it's mostly men. So. So she is definitely ostracized in that way. And then we have Rami, my favorite character. Same. Oh, sweet, sweet Rami. And he is our boy from Calcutta. And he and Robin, they're housemates and they hit it off right off the bat. And so they become good friends. And so these four are the only ones in their class to be enrolled in Babel. And uh, they're all on track to study the silver working. And so at Babel, you can study literature, law and silver working. And I feel like there was another one. Interpretation. Yeah. Like you could travel. But that was like the least successful one. Yeah. Anyways, so you like study and eventually once you get to the silver working, they pretty much are able to use this silver to create magical things. So you can use a word and translate it into English and find the hidden meaning behind it. If you find like the hidden meaning behind it, you can use it to help plants grow or create a serene garden or make a train go faster or cause less accidents. It's almost subtle magic, but it's still magic nonetheless. And then Babel is pretty much scamming the town, saying like, we are the only ones that are able to do this because we are the smartest people in town and we should do routine maintenance and charge you a fuck ton of money uh, in order for us to do this routine maintenance. So Babel has a lot of money coming into it and they have a lot of power in this town. And that causes tension. <laughs> to say the least. <laughs> and I guess to get more into it, pretty much Robin finds out that his father is actually Professor Lovell, who was the one who became his guardian after he took him out of Canton. Um, and he finds out that his father is pretty much conspiring with the English Empire to try to colonize China, among some other countries. And he's like, this is 
whack. I can't believe you're doing this. When he confronts his father, they get into a little quarrel on a boat and then he explodes his chest. Robin explodes his father's chest wide open in a huge gaping hole using the silver because he uses the word explode. Yikes. And then they have to cover up the murder, him and his three buddies. And so they cover up the murder they get back and they're like, everything's chill. And then everything's not chill. And the Hermes Society, they're like secret society that now all four of them are in. Letty, not really. And they're all in this Hermes Society. They come back and all hell breaks loose once they figure out what's happened. And at one point, this house gets raided. Letty's like, I need a breather. She goes out. She ends up tattling on the Hermes Society. All the British forces come storm this house. Letty ends up shooting Rami. Ouch. And Victoire and Robin get taken as prisoners. They're trying to bully them into telling them answers about the Hermes Society and about what they're up to and kind of to silence them. That whole thing happens. They escape and then they end up holding up in Babel for a while as a sort of strike. And they're like, well, we're not going to make any silver and this town's going to fall apart. And lo and behold, the town fell apart. And then Robin did the heroic thing of, I'm just going to blow this motherfucker up. <laughs> and so he did that. He blew up Babel using silver. And then Victoire was able to escape. And that's where we leave it. Yes, that's the whole book. Rough and dirty uh, plot of a 500 page book. <laughs> <laughs> All righty, well, let's, let's go. This book is 500 and something pages, so it's a hefty boy. What what do we like? I loved her writing. Her writing is just so good. It's very, very reminiscent of, honestly, George R. R. Martin. It's just like an easy read. She gives enough detail when it's needed, but most of the time she stays pretty broad with her details. So it's just like you're just flying over the pages, but you're not missing anything. Mm -hmm. Even parts where I was just like, I wasn't really vibing with the flow of the story. I was just still eating it up. Yeah, she does a good job. I mean, this spans over, what, three years, three and a half years. And she does a good job at like when it needs to just, okay, we need to span over a summer and do it in a page. She does a good job at like, okay, and then we'll kind of quicken up the pace here, but then you'll follow me and then we're going to start the new year. I'm going to let you know we're starting the new year. And then you're like, okay, time, place, set, keep going. Really good job at that because I never felt like I was lost in like, what time it was, who are we talking about, who are the key players in this story? Like it felt very tight and this was like a very, very well constructed story. I totally agree. I think her characters, her main characters were well thought out. I'm just a sucker for a ragtag team of intellectuals. I don't really read Dark Academia too much, but when I do, like, I need at least three or more people who are just bonded beyond compare. If not, I can't read it. This is just my trope is like a ragtag team of friends who are like super close. As soon as I was like, Rami was like introduced and I was like, yay, a friend. And then the two girls were introduced and I was like, let's go. Cause I didn't know, I didn't know anything about this book other than that it was good going into it. So I was really just going in fresh. I didn't know anything about the plot or the character. So as soon as those two girls were introduced and he said the line, something of like, we were so close. And I was like, yes. Uh, yeah, I guess I should. I should have also prefaced. So this month we are reading books that I chose. So typically we have our co-hosts choose them and then I'm just going in blind and reading them. But this month was different. So I picked this one because I 
I heard a book of the month podcast and they've invited on the author and uh, she was talking about this book and I was like, she seems fascinating. Yeah. She's very young, very smart. She's 26. It's redonkulous. That's insane. I just turned 29 and I can't even imagine being three years younger and three times as smart. (laughs) Yeah. I just looked at when the Poppy Wars was published. The first book was published in 2018. So that means she was 21. She's just pumping out these books. Honestly. Yeah. When I get to the things that I didn't like, that shows. Well, yeah, we'll get into that. But she has her writing style down concrete. Don't change a thing, love. Just spend a little more time on the books. Other than that, you're good. (laughs) Yeah, I think when you read this, you're like, I guess we could kind of bleed into this now. I feel like you can, I don't know. I feel like this book either needed to be split up into two or we needed to cut the last 150 pages. That was my exact review last night. My boyfriend also read this. He was supposed to be on here, but alas, it's just us two. But we were talking about it and he's... To the point where they seized Babel and they're in Babel. And he's like, I just don't think I'm going to finish it. And he's just like, you can spoil it for me. Like, that's totally fine. But I just don't think I'm going to finish it because it was I was just like a little disappointed, which makes sense. I really wish I can only imagine she went into this imagining it was a trilogy or at least two books from the way the first half of the book is set up. Yeah. You just had the feeling like she fully intended this to be two books. But it wasn't. It was one, which was fine. But I needed it to be like 600 more pages or slicing and dicing things as you go. Yeah, because here's the thing. I feel like up into the point when Rami gets shot, everything up into that point made sense. I would say that it was a little jarring going from like the first half of the book into like the Canton trip. That was a little bit jarring and like how it escalated so quickly that Professor Level got blown up. I literally gasped. (laughs) I did too. Like I expected it, but I was not expecting it right then and there. Yeah, I was listening to it and I was driving and my jaw dropped for at least 10 minutes. Professor Level had to die. I don't know what to tell you, but right then and there. And by Robin, I was like, ah, astounded. And I like the shocking nature of the kill. I guess it was just like we were talking about kind of like students being ostracized. And then all of a sudden it's taking a different tune of this is like a global colonization issue. That's why I think you kind of almost need it to be three books because you need that to build and you need them to kind of discover that. So I feel like that was a little abrupt, but it didn't deter me in any way, so to say, like the ending did. I said in my notes, things I didn't like was the Harry Potter dark era that uh, Robin took after Rami's death. So, you know, like, like in the Harry Potter series, there's like one full book where Harry is straight up just the worst And that's how I feel like Robin got toward the end. I've never read the books. I've only watched the movies once. So I understand what you're talking about, but this is a trope and I hate it. But it's like something tragic happens to a main character and then they get all like weird and like mad at the world. And then they're like just a bad human. And then they have to like go through that phase before they can kind of reinvent themselves. I hate that trope. Oh, interesting. Okay. So I appreciated it for what it was. I think she was very honest about what happens to someone who goes through like an insane amount of mental trauma and then a lot of physical trauma. I appreciated it, but I don't know. I feel like the last third of the book I didn't really like, but the first 
two thirds was just so good. The magic system was just so well done. Like there's two forms of written magic, basic magic, where it's just kind of just like, yeah, I throw a fireball. And then there's like high magic. This is probably not even correct at all, where there's rules that are set to the magic in this world. So (laughs) it is actually really difficult So I really appreciated the aspect of the language, digging in deep into each word. She made the silver bar make sense. I just thought that was just like so well done. And then all of a sudden, (laughs) it just didn't mean anything. And I'm just like, what? I was like, what do you mean? By the end of the book, you could have totally just cut out the Hermes Society and silver, and it would have been the exact same story. And... Those are my two favorite parts of the book. So that kind of made me most sad other than their like connection and their bond, which I really enjoyed up until the last two chapters. I love a ragtag team, but when one of them dies and one of them just like runs away, it's I don't know. Well, that's like what I meant. Even Victoire's like, get your head out of your ass. I was with Victoire. I was with Vicky. Why are we not listening with our ears? (laughs) Yeah, I don't mind the way it ended in the fact that like he blew up Babel. Like, I think that's actually kind of dope. I was expecting that. I was expecting it. I read I read the the childhood story, (laughs) the age old story of Babel. I know what happens. (laughs) So I was the bitch had to fall. But yeah. The thing that, like, I was struggling with is the whole... You, like, reached the climax of the whole, like, raid. And then you're expecting, like, the falling action. And you're kind of expecting them to, like, okay, they have to, like, finish this war. But then for it to be, like, a strike, and then for them to just sit in Babel with nothing happening, it's whatever. This is so sad for what it could have been. I agree. I wish there was more action, but on the flip side of that, one thing I did really appreciate was kind of just how accurate it would be. If you got a bunch of 20 year old social outcast nerds together to do this crazy anti-colonialism movement, it's going to be really awkward. Like when Robin and Victoire got into Babel and they seized babble. It was awkward. It was strange. They were stumbling over their words. It was very accurate. Like the whole time it's like they're not warriors. Like they don't know how to shoot guns. They don't know how to do anything other than be nerds and read books and write things down. I appreciated how that was accurate. When I got bored, I was like, dang, this is probably exactly how it would be if something like this happened in real life. Like it would probably be very boring. Yeah. But while I appreciated it for what it was, I wanted something like Game of Thrones book one, 100 pages to the end. And you're like, oh, my God, what is happening? Like, this is insane. Like, there's so much action. How are they going to finish it? Yeah. And we were three pages from the end. And I'm like, oh, it's like we're done. Yeah. I was going to ask, how did you feel about the interludes with um, Rami and with Letty and then uh, with Victoire? I didn't need them. I think the interludes told me things that I knew already. Yeah, she's such a good writer that she was able to portray all of that through how Robin saw them, how they saw them interacting with others. She was such a good writer that when she wrote these interludes, I'm like, yeah, I know. Yeah, because Robin's already said it. We've said it twice already. Like, I know. (laughs) Because you get it from context clues. Her writing was so solid. I didn't need any of this. I know what happened when Britain invaded India. 
I know Rami's backstory. I know Victoire's backstory. You've only hinted like a thousand times like sh- that she's Haitian. Yeah, I, I agree. It just like honestly took me out of the story and I was like, I don't know why I'm reading this. Felt clunky. It did. And especially when it ended with Victoire's interlude. That was very disappointing. I wasn't a fan of the ending. I didn't think Victoire was a highlighted enough character to be the ending voice. She was consistent throughout the book, but she really only picked up importance the last third, which is basically her just being like, Robin, relax, dude. You don't have to take down all of Europe. (laughs) We're doing just fine. And then like her conversation with Anthony. Anthony wasn't a character at all. Like, I don't know why I should care about what Victoire and Anthony said to each other. I just... mm. I was just sad. It's like that feeling when you when you light a firework and you're really excited. And then it's like one of those like 20 year old fireworks that just like fizzles. Yeah. Oh, but it's just so sad because literally up until honestly, probably up until they broke out of jail. Yeah. I was vibing hard. Yeah. It was like right up until Griffin came back and broke them out and then Griffin died. And I was like, poor Robin. Then after that, it was just, yeah, Harry Potter, sad times. And then all of Hermes gets wiped out. And I was just like, oh, okay, okay, so that's it for that. (laughs) And then you have just like a random group of like four people in Babel. And then all of a sudden we're supposed to like care for them. Yeah, I know. I was just like, I didn't care about the people in Babel. No. Obviously, I didn't want innocent lives to die, but we never met that professor before. Why should I care? We did meet that professor, but like, I didn't remember. Yeah. So it was kind of like, man, I really liked Abel. I thought that through line, like what, why, why did Abel get a through line? (laughs) He's, he's a guy who threw the egg. How did he get one of the best through lines? He just straight up chucked an egg at Victoire. And the next moment he's like, I'm here to save the day. And I'm like, amazing. This is great. This is what I need for 18 more characters instead of interludes, instead of the whole Hermes society. I think you could have had a ragtag team of revolutionaries without teasing this huge society that had a name that professors knew about. Well, and I think the reason she included it. So she's part of R.F. Kuang is actually part of a secret society. That sounds so fun for her, but leave it out of my book. <laughs> yeah. And so I think it's like holds a special place here. And she talks about how it's not it's not like it is in the movies. And it's much more chill. And they just like get together and do like random meetings. And it's interesting, but it's also like when you wipe it out <laughs> completely, like they don't come back to save the day. Nobody helps. We don't even get to learn. Like we don't learn anything about. It's not fair to the reader when the reader isn't part of a secret society and all of the secret societies that they know about are like the main plot point. And they get to learn about like the backstory and the leader and all of these things because she has that real life knowledge of being in a secret society. She grasps it so much better than I do. I don't know anything about that shit. (laughs) Like, I don't know why they gave us fake 
I don't know what I'm trying to say. It felt unnecessary. Why introduce a letter if you aren't going to do anything with it? Oh, there's more brothers. Again, I know this. Professor Lovell probably didn't stop after Griffin and it probably didn't start with Griffin. Just knowing that there's two of them, you can probably through deductive reasoning understand that there's multiple. But the fact that Robin doesn't even read it, it doesn't mean anything. Like there's no reason to. So unless you're going to give me another book where I get introduced to these characters and given a reason why Victoire went to America, I don't know why that was given information to me at all. Yeah, no, totally agree. Well, so just to end on this note, to just show you how good her writing is and how great of a job she does at describing the translation process. This is after or this is right before Robin escapes out of his torture. And so he's kind of like reflecting on how Rami had died and all this stuff. And so he goes, actually, quick interlude. I was reading this and a gal at my office, Lindsay, again, shout out. I feel like I keep shouting her out, but she keeps giving me good book recs. She was like, oh, are you reading it? Are you reading Babel? And I was like, yes. And I was talking with her and it was kind of like before I had read this section and I go, listen, all I know is if Rami dies, I'm going to take the day off of work. I can't handle this type of emotional stress. And I, I come in today and I'm like, the only reason I came in today is because there's pastries at work and that's it. She goes, I understand. <laughs> I can't handle it. So sad. Uh, so sad. And then I read this and I'm like hurt. But she writes, and this is talking about Robin. And she writes, he hoped. He hoped until hope became its own form of torture. The original meaning of hope was to desire. And Robin, wa- Robin wanted with every ounce of his being a world that no longer was. He hoped until he thought he was going mad until he started hearing fragments of his thoughts as if spoken outside of him. Low, gruff words that echoed around the stone. I wish I regret. And it was just like, <laughs> it's her writing is so good. It's so good. And then just one more, because these are the only two that I marked because I was like, I should start marking these because these are so good. (laughs) But this is talking about also Anthony, the kind of like weird side character that comes in. And Anthony was a slave and then he was freed and then was able to attend Babel. So he has his own issues with race discrimination and also slavery. And so he's going through his own shit as well. And so this is Robin kind of reflecting on that. And he goes and he wondered if there would ever be a day that came when all of this was unnecessary, when white people would look at him and Anthony and simply listen, when their words would have worth and value because they were uttered, when they would not have to hide who they were, when they wouldn't have to go through endless distortions just to be understood. Come on. I know. That physically hurts. This book was so good. Yeah, like we shit on the ending quite a bit, but it's good. Yeah, I just think she tried to do... She was... Fresh off of a trilogy, a phenomenal trilogy, I can only assume based off of this book. I think she tried to do too much. I think she tried to say too much. I think this book, of course, had the undertone of just her own personal thoughts from her real world experiences of colonialism. And I appreciated that. But I wish... I can get down with a book that has like an actual undertone of it. And it's not just like a fantasy book, but to mix in a magic system, to mix in mid-level fantasy, to mix in dark academic tropes, to mix in a secret society, a secret society. Oh, my God. That's like five things in one 542 page book. That's a lot. 
And I feel like I could have done without two of the five and it would have been just so good. I wish you would have kept her point of view on colonialism. I think that's just her foundation of writing, which is so good. And then the silver was just really good. And then Dark Academia. Yeah. And I think those three would have been all that I needed. You could have had the revolutionary group who were trying to stir up trouble. Like you could have kept that, but just like taking out the whole secret society, take all the interludes and that would have been so good. Yep. Totally agree. Well, let's get into our final ratings because it's a 500 page book, so we could go on forever. I gave this book a four out of five because honestly, I enjoyed reading it all the way up until the very end. And to me, that's if I enjoy reading it for most of the book and I would recommend this to people, I would still recommend it to people despite the ending. I give it a four out of five. So I said this book was just a spectacular commentary on race and even the sense of belonging. The intellectual nature of this book, while also telling a beautiful story of friendship and scholarly pursuits, just fit together perfectly. I was also entranced in the world of Babel. I said the ending was quite drawn out and I don't think it needed it, I, especially the with the climax coming so, so much earlier and with Victoire's epilogue, it seemed just a little disjointed. But I said overall, love the book and just really enjoyed reading it. Like I enjoyed the experience of reading it because coming off of uh, reading Catch-22 and then into this book, I was like, Catch-22, I, I, I DNF'd. I didn't finish. So yeah, coming into this book where I'm like, wow, I, I breezed through that book. It felt really good. And I would recommend it to people. Like I would, I would genuinely recommend this to people. So I, I'm going to give it a four out of five. I wholeheartedly agree. I give it a four out of five. I would recommend it to people. I think I would recommend it to people almost like someone who wants to like something a little more than like YA. I love a good YA, but I think this is a little more like beyond that. Not more mature, but a little heftier of a read than just like YA. The characters you just not even necessarily fall in love with because I really only just fell head over heels for Rami. May he rest in peace. I still think about it to this day. His relationship with Robin, their close friendship, everyone's friendship. It's just like when you were in college, this group, this closeness of friendship is something that you like really, really wanted. And just the characters were just so well written. Even like the lesser characters, you were still like, like I get down with Anthony. Like Anthony's like a sick character. Yeah. It's just really well written. It's an easy read. You never get stuck tripping over the words. It's it flows so well. Loved the magic system. I thought it was really good for a reader who's getting into fantasy and who's just like really can't keep track of a magic system and like all the crazy names. Honestly, I think this is a really good starter book into like heftier ones. Yeah, 100% agree. Alrighty. Well, let's get into pairings. This is a segment we like to call pairings where uh, Rebecca and I will pick TV shows, movies, and other books that might pair well with today's book. And also drinks. Don't forget the drink. So I'll go first to give you a little extra time. My drink is just a glass of red wine, but you have to drink it out of a silver goblet. Mmm. Because I feel like they're just constantly drinking red wine because that's just what the drink was in the 1800s. And they were having it for dinner. They were having it on the boat. They were having it everywhere. But I think just the silver goblet elevates it just slightly. So that would be my drink. (laughs) And it would have to be kind of like a natural wine, like a little gritty, because that's what it would be in the 1800s. It's not smooth. So no, it has like the little like sediments on the bottom. 
And you can tell someone squished it with their feet. Mm-hmm. That's what you want. <laughs> My TV show, speaking of George R.R. Martin, is House of the Dragon. Not the full Game of Thrones. I did just House of the Dragon because you kind of have like these characters that are fighting for a place that they traditionally don't belong. You have this woman fighting for this throne where everyone's telling her you don't belong there. That's not where you're supposed to be. And so and then you have these four characters who are being told just because of their hair heritage, they don't belong to be in a position of power, yet they have the skills set and they are like only some of the few that are able to do that. And so it's like you have this interesting thing where it's like, well, you're the only one. Uh, So I guess we're going to have to do it. (laughs) I think you have like that same kind of theme going on with those two things. And then uh, my book I mentioned, but I'm doing a different Harry Potter book. I did Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows because they all like lock themselves up in Hogwarts and try to fight off the evil. And so that kind of was reminiscent of them locking themselves up in in Babel. And you have the dark academia, magic, everything like that. Would you consider Harry Potter dark academia? I would consider it slightly dark. Okay. I just put two and two together. I would consider Harry Potter dark academia. I would consider it. And my movie, I have two. Uh, My first one is Maleficent. One of my favorite movies of all time with Angelina Jolie. And I think why it reminded me of this is because it has such dark tones. And it's also kind of this story of like evil becoming good and good becoming evil. And people like asking too much of these magical beings. That is kind of a same and a similar theme here where these good kids are having to turn to these evil ways of murdering people and causing violence and doing threats just because they're being threatened in a way that is like threatening their livelihood and threatening the people that they care most about, which is kind of similar to Maleficent. And then my other movie got a whopping 33% on uh, Rotten Tomatoes, but hey, who cares? Is the school for good and evil? Oh, that's a good one though. It fits. I And also I hated the ending of that movie and I did not like the ending of this book. So those two go together. But you also have the good and evil and the traditionally good, traditionally evil and why they actually don't make sense. And you kind of have in the book who's supposed to be in power, who's not supposed to be in power and why it doesn't also doesn't make sense. So, yeah, those are my pairings. That's a really good pairing. Unfortunately, I'm just not I'm not big into dark academia. I don't care about schooling and like reading and like things like that. So like it was never like a trope or a genre or just anything that I just personally really resonated with. Um, So I will do my best. Okay, drink London Fog. Oh, that's so good. So they're all children, so they should not be drinking even back in the 1800s. <laughs> but I think it just was like a really good like vibe. It was always rainy. It was kind of just you either like it or you don't. It's a tea. It's a London fog. That's good, right? Mm-hmm. TV show. There is a TV show. I do not know what it's called. I think there's one or two seasons out on Netflix. It is written by Jackie Chan's daughter, I believe. And it's basically back when San Francisco started to become... Um, a hub for Chinese immigrants when white people and white police clashing with the Chinese immigrants moving to San Francisco. And it's basically like a turf war TV show about like them mixing, like characters mix and fall in love. And it's like their battle against who gets to be here because all of the um, Chinese immigrants are like, this is America. This is your whole 
bit. This is your pitch. We're supposed to be here. Don't put us on a boat and tell us we can go to America. And then we get here and you're just running us off the streets. But at the same time, it's like they're creating a life for themselves there based on like their tradition. So like opium is involved and it's just like it's pretty well done. It's a little like gimmicky and a little kind of like silly, a little less realistic karate scenes, but it's really good. And I cannot remember what it's called to save my life. Warrior. 1800s. It's set in the same thing. So I think it's I think it's a good comparison. You'll have to watch it and let me know. It's been a while since they came out with the last season. Oh, a book. Um, Of course, you can't you can't do anything with Dark Academia without saying if we were villains, a secret history. I really think if you liked the Scholastic Stark Academia portion of this book and kind of like you didn't really care about anything else, A Secret History is fantastic. And then movie. Oh, God. Um, I don't think I ha- I don't. I OK, so I'll give a second book, I guess. I don't know why I'm saying this based off of our last podcast. Knowing the context of like the biblical story of Babel is actually like interesting context to this book. If you like really love this book and you're like so into every part of it and you think it's like a 10 out of 10 across the board, I would recommend like reading the biblical story of Babel and like the reason why Babel had to fall, why language is like so involved, the backstory of why they're the main characters being from different parts of the world is like actually super important. So I think that could be interesting. Yeah. I'll link to a little video, call it your movie, a little uh, YouTube video. If you want a little seven minute history lesson on Babel. No, I agree. It's 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 fascinating. Yeah. If you haven't read that, then I highly recommend. Alrighty, Well, that's that's the show. That's that's Babel for you. Yeah. Let us know. We'll be on social media with some uh, burning questions like if uh, if Harry Potter is dark academia. And I didn't read the book, so I don't know anything about the Harry Potter books. Maybe I should read that. <laughs> yeah. That's next. Catch us there. Alrighty. Well, that's it. So, uh, cheers. Bye. Cheers. Well, that's the show. Thanks so much for listening. If you liked it, please go give it five stars on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you're listening to this podcast right now. If you want more book-related content, you can find us on Instagram and TikTok at rwreadspodcast. Again, that's at R-W-R-E-A-D-S-P-O-D-C-A-S-T at rwreadspodcast on Instagram and TikTok. Until next week, keep your books open and your drink glasses full. Thanks all. Thanks all.